my guest today on this episode of Healthy Steps with Nicole's podcast is somebody who is absolutely going to inspire you and knock your socks off with her story and what she has overcome in her life. And I'm so excited for you to hear it. And many of you already know who she is because she's an amazing person in her own right. And she is a best-selling author. She's a TED Talk speaker. She's been featured on so many TV shows. She's got a community of people who have followed her and love her and adore her. Her name is Amberly Lago. She is a dear friend of mine, and I'm so excited to bring her and her story on today's podcast episode. You are about to be completely blown away when you hear her story and everything she did to overcome the challenges in her life. Not only that, but she shares with you how you can build this resiliency and tenacity to overcome challenges in your life. So I am so excited for you to hear this episode with Amberly Lago. I am so honored to have her on my show. Like I said, she's my dear friend. She's an amazing human being. Many of you know her already. Get prepared to hear everything about her story and what she learned from it and what she's sharing with you so that you can overcome challenges in your own life. You're going to love it. Here she is. Hey. Welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Welcome, everybody. I, you know, every week I just get so excited because I love knowing that this community is so wonderful and supportive of each other. And then we get to bring an amazing person in every Wednesday to enhance what we're already doing in here even more. And this week is no exception. Amberly is here with us. This is my friend, Amberly Lago, and I could not be more excited to introduce her to you guys, not only because she's just a special, awesome, amazing person, but her story is just really inspirational and it's, it's just going to impress all of you and uh, show you what's possible for your life. So Amberly, welcome. You are very accomplished in so many different areas of your life. And I want you to be able to to tell us all about you and tell your story, but I'll give a quick introduction. I met Amberly about two years ago, I think. We were in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. And it was about two years. Yeah. And Amberly was a speaker at this personal development conference that I was at. And I happened to walk over in um, the meet and greet room in between sessions. And there she was just signing away. Oh, you have it. Yes, I've got my signed book. And at that time, all I knew is she was just this kind, outgoing, amazing woman that we had chatted with. And you told me a little bit about your story at that time. And, and until I read the book, I was I like I was blown away by who you became in in this journey after what had happened to you. And you know, I I heard you speak on stage there, and then when it was in LA, I saw you right. get it. Can we just back up a minute because you are really kind of selling yourself short here. You are amazing. From the minute I met you, I was like. 
oh my God, she's so nice. I'm so glad I met her because I was freaking out. I was at this, it was a big conference and the speakers were Mel Robbins, Jay Shetty, Lewis Howes, Brenda Burchard. Yeah. And then there was me. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm here. And they all had their media team with them and everything. And then I met you and I was like, hey, I found out I was going to to speak like five days before. And so not that I had a media team by any means, but they all had their media team and everything. And I was like, Nicole, do you think (laughs) we could video some for me? And so you, yeah. I I did your media team. I forgot. I recorded all that for you. I mean, but it's, it's women like you who show up for other women. And I had just met you and I was so appreciative to meet you and for your kindness. And we exchanged phone numbers and like kept in touch all this time. And so thank you. I mean, it's a girlfriends like you are like very, you got to hold on to them because they're Yeah. So I knew there was something special about you that I felt a connection to. And when I found out you lived in Southern California, I was like, it's done. Give me your phone number. We're getting together. And we have done that. And I am very grateful for women like you in my life. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, welcome. And this is a group of amazing, amazing women and men. But as you said, I think one of the coolest things about where we're at in the world right now with everything is women supporting women is just one of the most beautiful things and necessary things for us to continue to do what we're able to do in this in this life and not play small anymore, not hold ourselves back from going after that epic life and, and really showing up not just for ourselves, but for others as well. So thank well, you for leading the way with that. Yeah. And you know, I, I tell you, I would not be able to do what I do. I would not have been able to crawl out of the darkest moments of my life if it weren't for some strong women who were helping me out of that dark spot. So it is really important. And I think that that is maybe one of the most important things about really strengthening your resilience is having a supportive community. So I appreciate what you've done here. And my sincere wish and my intention is to offer as many tips and and tools as I can that may help someone who's struggling right now. Cause in California, we're still pretty locked down. I mean, we have some freedoms to get out a little bit. Our trails just opened up. But, you know, the the gym was, that was my therapy. And it reminds me back of the time when I did, when I had this life-changing near-death accident and was in lockdown. But I was really in lockdown. I was like stuck in a hospital bed. Right. Um, and that gym, my therapy was taken away. It was a kind of remember that and I shifted my perspective and I was like, yeah, I may not be able to go to the gym, but I have so much I can do around the house. You know, like today I picked up detergent bottles and I was lifting detergent bottles. We have it set up in the garage now. I've been using a skateboard for hamstring curls. I've been using a rope to get cardio and like, I have like the MacGyver gym. Yes, it is. Kind <laughs> of just put everything together. Oh, and I've been leg pressing furniture, and then I've been even been picking up goats and squatting, holding because we, we go to the barn. That's one right. of our pilots. We have a horse, and so I'm like, 
how much you think that goat weighs? I need some heavy weights for squatting. So I've been like, whatever I can do. <laughs> that is so good. You improvise, you know, you find a way to get it done. And I mean, I even loved, you know, I'm not going to steal your thunder and tell your story, but some of the things I read in this book, and by the way, guys, True Grit and Grace, amazing book of perseverance and tenacity and getting through some really shitty stuff. Like, you know, we can do hard things. And Amberly is living proof of that. And as I'm reading the book, I mean, even just the story about the bathroom, how you wanted to get there so bad. And that was like your goal of like, I think it was getting up. You had to get up the stairs, right? Yeah. Like, cause you ended yeah, up. And, having to- and there's, uh, well, first of all, I'll tell, tell y'all what happened. I was riding, I was on my motorcycle coming home from work and it was beautiful California day, just like any other day, beautiful day in California. And you just feel free, you know, on there's nothing that can quite describe that feeling of being on your motorcycle and especially a Harley Sportster. And I'm going about 20 miles an hour and an SUV pulls out and hits me. I go flying 30 feet. I'm sliding down the asphalt and long story short, I, my leg was completely crushed, femoral artery severed, rushed to the hospital. And when they put me in induced coma, I had no idea if I was ever going to wake up again. And when I did wake up, the first thing that I learned was I had a 1% chance of saving my leg from amputation. And that 1% chance was all I needed. It was that glimmer of hope that I needed because if we just have a glimmer of light or a glimmer of hope, that's all we need to keep moving forward and to keep hang on and to keep pushing and to persevere. And so I remember writing my book and, and, Oh, and by the way, I I had 34 surgeries to save my leg from amputation and before 34. And you know, it's, it's funny because I, everybody's been saying, and I'm sure a lot of y'all have been hearing people say, Oh, you got to get on TikTok. You've got to get on TikTok. And I've been like, Oh, I don't know about that. And then when my daughter was like, mom, you are too old for TikTok. I was like, I am on TikTok today. <laughs> like, that's all it took. I'm that's all it took. It. Watch me. <laughs> so, I literally set my phone down, put my tap shoes on for the first time. Now I was told that I would never run again. I would, it would, I could probably walk again, but it might take two years. And then when I went in to see a doctor and he diagnosed me with a nerve disease, he said, Oh no, you need to get back in your wheelchair. Your life is changed. You've got complex regional pain syndrome you'll be in pain for the rest of your life. You'll be permanently disabled. It was like a death sentence. So the other day I put on my tap shoes for the first time since the accident and I actually tapped and to be able to tap. Well, because I'm, it's been a long time, but I have a fused ankle and metal in my ankle, leg, toes that don't work or grip or, and I was able to tap. I put the phone down and I recorded it on TikTok really quick and just uploaded it. And it, people started commenting 34 surgeries. Yeah. Right. Like what? And I'm like, Oh yeah. And that's not even counting like the surgery that I had last week. I had surgery last week 
And I don't even count that one because I didn't go under anesthesia. I only count the ones where I've actually been put under. under. For, so the ones where I was awake when they had to cut the back of my toes and release the tendons because my leg had been so severely crushed when it, when it healed, you know, you squeeze your hand, it kind of squeeze. Well, mine were stuck straight, so I couldn't fit my foot in a shoe. So they, in the doctor's office, I was like, you know, you, can you fix this? Cause I need to be able to wear some shoes. And right there in the doctor's office, he cut the back of my toes. Nobody's like too grossed out by that. <laughs> But like surgeries like that, I don't even count. But sometimes I know that number, like 34 surgeries is a lot. But, you know, that wasn't even the hardest part. The hardest part was dealing with pain every single day. Because, yes, I got over those surgeries. I was able, I can walk almost normal most of the time. Mm-hmm. where people would never imagine anything was wrong with me or that I had, it's called an invisible illness for a reason. People can't see it. Mm-hmm. But the hard part is dealing with the pain every day. And that is where I really learned how to be resilient because it took me down and it took me down to a place where I didn't want to live anymore. My world got so small. I lost my career. I lost my confidence. I was hopeless. I was, you know, I was thinking like, you know, my husband, he didn't, this isn't the person he married and my kids could find a better mom. And again, I really believe it was that little bit of light that was left in me that was like, this is, I can go this way or this way. I can go down that road of despair or I can hold on and and ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that's where community comes in because, man, it took every ounce of courage in me to actually pick up the phone and call somebody and and admit, hey, I need help. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not the life that I am meant to live. I am meant to live more. And the thing is, we are all meant to, to have joy. And yes, we have hard times and challenges. And yes, we're going to have pain. It pain is inevitable. But suffering is optional. And what I want to offer people is that, you know what? I understand we all have pain, whether it is what we're going through now. So many people have lost their jobs. They're Mm -hmm. struggling financially. So many people are are lonely. And I I felt that loneliness when I was, because pain has a way of isolating you. And so what I want to do is I want to offer what I've learned along the way, what this pain has taught me, because it is being resilient is is like a muscle. You have to work on it every day. I have to wake up every day and decide that I want to have a joyous, free, just filled life full of people that are passionate and supportive. I want to have that life more than I want to sit and have a self-pity party. I don't want that. Yeah. And I, I love that you said the magic word. You have to decide every day. This is, it doesn't just happen to you. You have to have faith and hope in the fact that it can happen and then make that decision every day that you're willing to commit to that and, and work towards it and keep the faith and, you know, build, build what you need in your community and the people that support you to help you through that as well. 
And that all comes back to that bathroom story you were talking about, because I, when I wrote my book, I really didn't think anybody would read it. I was hoping maybe my mom would read it. Maybe somebody, it would, somebody would read it. Maybe my, my intention was I, if I can get through this and I can write about it and help somebody else get through it, then it gave my paint purpose. Mm -hmm. And that bathroom story, I was a little hesitant about even putting that in the book. And my editor was like, no, you got to leave it in the book. But the bathroom story is when we think of a goal that's so big, it's too big. It's overwhelming. It, it's, it's almost impossible. And you want to give up in the beginning. It's like saying, I want to lose a hundred pounds. Well, where, how do you lose a hundred pounds? But if you say, I want to lose one pound and then you think of why you want to lose it and, and really focus on your why. Maybe it's going to give you more stamina to keep up with your kids. Maybe it's going to give you the confidence to walk on the beach, whatever it may be. For me, my big goal was I wanted more than anything to be able to use the bathroom on my own. Of course, I wanted to be able to run again with my daughter. I wanted to be able to chase my kids. I wanted to be able to train clients again. I wanted to just be able to stand up. But if I could just do one thing, one day at a time, one step at a time, then I knew it was something that was attainable. I knew it was something I could conquer. And so that started with literally just being able to stand up for moments at a time and you know, I had somebody ask me who has the same nerve disease that I have. And, and a lot of people that have complex regional pain syndrome, they use a cane or they're in walkers or they're in wheelchairs. And I mean, I still use an electric scooter if I go to like a theme park or anything like that. But I had somebody say, well, how did you learn to walk? And I said, it was literally seconds at a time. It was broken down into, okay, today I'm going to stand up for five seconds because the pain was so excruciating. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And then when you do something that's hard or you, you're challenged by something and you overcome it or you just say, I'm going to try this, I'm going to do my best today, and you actually do it, that starts to build momentum and it starts to build your confidence in yourself that you can do the next thing and then the next thing. So I think it's really taking it those baby steps one day at a time that really helps you persevere. And, you know, look, I'm all for writing is a huge, has been a healing tool for me. And I have a million like notes all over my desk with my goals that I write down, like, what are my big goals? Okay, well, let me break that down into little goals that I can do to attain that big goal. So mm -hmm. I'm really big on writing out whatever your, your goals are, but writing out the pros and cons and your why mm -hmm. and how it's going to feel once you achieve that and really visualize yourself doing it. And I think that when you break down those steps that that gives you the ability to go, okay, well, if I just take one action today, you know, when you're depressed or you're struggling or you're like, don't know where to start, it's hard. 
That's well, Mongolia what I, looks so big if you look at it globally. If you look at it like the, you know, like you said, the steps are what's most important. And you know, I totally identify with that. It's the reason that my business is called Healthy Steps with Nicole because every change, every positive transformation that I have made in my life, when I look back, it all happened in steps. I didn't just flip the switch. I didn't just you know fall asleep and wake up the next day. And it ha- it's like. I had to do it in increments. And when you look back, it's like, oh, that's how I got from point A to point B. It wasn't just one step. It it was a lot of them. And that's what I think really stood out to me about the bathroom story because it, it stuck with me after reading the book because it really was in steps and increments that you built up to doing that. Mm -hmm. And that really was amazing to me, the, the achievement of that. And at that time, that really was a big deal. And then I think you look back in your life at situations like that. And in general, what you've overcome as, as a whole, and you go, well, I shouldn't have been able to do that. And I did. So what else do I get to look at in my life and not discount myself from being able to do, you know, kind of makes you look at, at where you're going in life in a different way. There were other things I shouldn't have been able to do. And I did it. Yeah. And you know, when I'm struggling with, you know, just having a hard day with pain or, or just, frustrated or feeling kind of sad about something. It is such a great way to snap me out of that. This, this accident has been a gift to me because it has given me the ability to shift my perspective. And I I say in the beginning of my book, I don't recommend anybody going through something like this. But what I do recommend is let me tell you what it taught me. One of the things it taught me is your ability to shift your perspective and change your life with just a simple shift in perspective. And that's something I do every single day. I really believe in having a morning routine. And so if I can start my day off on a solid ground with on a positive note, and I really have that quiet time and I search for what my intentions are and focus on my why. And then I write down what it is I'm grateful for. So I write it down. I really think about it, but then I also really feel it. But I think about like, if it's not, I'm not feeling it. And I'm like, still not feeling grateful. I will take myself back to the time when oh my gosh, you know, I I couldn't walk up the stairs to pick out my own clothes for so long. I can make my own coffee. Okay, I'm grateful. But then I also think it's really important to have accountability. And so every morning I have an accountability partner and we text each other every morning. We both read out of either a self-development book or a spiritual book every morning and we will share what we've read, something that really, that we read that day that had an impact on us. We'll get like our highlighter out, mark it down, and then we'll write down what three things that we're grateful for. And I think that, that once you start developing a habit of doing things like that, then no matter where you are in your life, no matter if you are in this pandemic, you're going to have the ability to come out of this stronger than you were before mentally, physically, and spiritually. Yep. Yep. That's what I kept saying at the beginning. It's who do you want to be on the other side of this? 
you know, not in any way to make you feel like you have to maximize all the, all your time and be you know, like, if your body needs rest, take rest, give yourself right now what you need so that when you do get on the other side of this, you feel good about yourself. You've evolved in some way, you know, you've grown into a person that you feel good about what you've done for yourself. And, and just like you said, it, it's like, looking at it like that, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for all of us to, you know, do something different with our life that maybe we hadn't considered before. Um, And it's in many ways for some of us, given us the time and space to be able to do that. And I really, really appreciate that you said, take the time that you need to maybe even rest, because that's the hardest thing for me. And when this whole pandemic happened, I was about to launch my mastermind course, 12 week course. The day that we woke up, I remember it so clearly because it was actually my birthday and we were supposed to go out to dinner. And the night before I was like, you know, honey, I don't really think we should go to dinner tomorrow. It looks like things are, you know, kind of shutting down. He goes, no, I've already checked. The restaurant's open. We've got a reservation. And the next morning I was like, everything's closed. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I think it really hit him when I'm like, the gym is closed. And he's like, the gym's closed. And everything shifted for me. You would have thought when the world had a pause button put on it, that everybody would kind of rest. Well, mine went full throttle because the events that I had scheduled then moved to virtual events. And I I, I struggle with technology. I, I don't even like to say that. I'm supposed to say something positive, but I'm being real here. I, <laughs> technology is not one of my close friends. I'm trying to like it more, but I, <laughs> I mean, when I, when I first wrote my book, I didn't even own a computer. I had to buy a computer. I wrote everything by hand and bought a lap, this laptop to type it up. Wow. And so it's been a lot of learning. So when everything happened, it was like, I think what a lot of people are doing, I had to get creative. I had to pivot a lot of things and I had to pause and really think about what, what are my goals? What are, how can I be of service? What can I offer? What can I give? How can I show up? Mm-hmm. But everything went so crazy. I was speaking at events and figuring out how to do it online and then promote it and change things. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until last week when I had surgery that I actually took my first day off since the whole pandemic started. And that's just because it, it kicked my ass. Right. It really did. And I thought, okay, universe, here's my lesson again. I'm really good at the grit part, Mm -hmm. but I'm learning to give myself grace to rest and recover. And I think the lesson I've learned over and over and over is we have to rest. It is not a luxury. It is a necessity if we want to be resilient and honor your body, listen to your body. And if you need to take time off and, and you need to say no, Holy cow, that word no is a powerful, powerful statement. Because when you're saying yes to somebody, you're saying no to yourself or somebody else for sure. And so this time has really given me the opportunity to to think about, well, what are my boundaries? What what is my self 
care practice. How am I going to show up if I'm not taking the best care I can of myself? How can I step up and, and take help others take care of themselves, you know? And so sometimes it takes me thinking about others before I will actually take care of myself. I don't know if that's like a mom thing or whatever, where you're your mom, you're used to taking care of everything. I think as women, it's, we've been conditioned right. by society in many ways. And, you know, that's for a whole nother topic and a whole nother time, but in a lot of ways, it's a control thing. It's, a, you know, it's, it's been conditioned and we've without question accepted that role for a really long time and allowed ourselves to play, to play small and just go, go, go. And, you know, the idea of being selfless was so, it was like a badge of honor and it still is for many women in many, in many ways. And being selfless actually is one of the worst things that you could possibly be because at some point you're hollow and you can't show up in the same way. Just like you said, how do you show up for people in your fullest expression of yourself? If you're not filling your cup, if you're not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we subscribe to this work, work, work mentality, and that's what's rewarded in our society. You know, it's be productive and achievement and just go, go, go. And I grew up that way. So it's been something I had to unlearn. Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up an athlete and a dancer, it was if you're puking because you ran so hard. Well, good for you. I hope you got first and keep running. I was going to say, take a minute break, get it all out of you and keep going. Grow up on the track. Yep. And then a, a dancer, it was like the harder you worked, it was, and I, I am so grateful for the lessons I learned from my dance teacher. She is one of my biggest role models. I mean, she taught me so many life lessons that I'm, I have carried with me and still in my business do. But it was like, I did five pirouettes and it was like, you could always do six. You know, it was like, so I, I think enough. there was always, yep. I got my self-worth from how much I could do and provide. And that was all stripped away from me after the accident. I was completely yeah. scarred up. Yeah. I mean, my body was what got me jobs. And that sounds really weird. But as a dancer, it was what you looked like in LA. It was your height, your hair color, how long were your legs? It was your weight. It was, it was really, it was tough. Um, And then as a trainer, you have to be, you know, if you want business, you better represent what people strive. They're like, yeah, I want biceps. I want abs, whatever that may be. So I was so caught up. Your identity, that kind of was your identity. Right. Because that is as a dancer, how you, like you said, how you got work, you were a model as well. You were a trainer as well. Like those were all things that helped you be who you were or so you thought. And I'm sure that's a really harsh reality when that's not available to you anymore in that same way. Then you have to build yourself up. Yeah. And from, from scratch. And I've had to learn like, uh, I think when I showed the scars on my leg for the first time, I got so many reactions from women who actually cried. They left me 
DMs, women I didn't even know, DMs on Instagram crying, saying, thank you. I feel like I have the courage to honor my body and accept all the scars for the victories that I have overcome, or, you know, that I was, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor or I'm, you know, and yeah. so that took a long time to be in acceptance. But once you accept yeah. who you are and all your imperfections, it is freedom because you know what? Nobody can really say anything. It was hilarious. I have to tell you. So somebody, we're talking about TikTok. Somebody on TikTok was like, oh, wow. I thought you were like a really old person. And I'm like, I, I kind of am. How old are you? 12? Like I am. Probably. Knowing TikTok, they probably are 12. Yeah. Or, or just comments on, on my leg or my scars. And so the moral to that is when you're sharing Make sure, I think it was Brene Brown who said this, make sure you're sharing from a scar and not an open wound. Because when you're sharing from an open wound, man, that people can pour some salt right on in that and stir it around. But when you're sharing from a scar, you're Mm -hmm. like, hell yeah, look at what I healed from. I healed from that, you know? Right. Yeah. It's very true. My coach said something to me once about, you know, do less sharing with people what you're going to do and more telling them about it once you've done it, I think was kind of, and and not with everything, but just as a way to kind of protect yourself. Like once you make a decision and you're sure of it and you know, this is what you want to do, you don't need to share it with everybody. Just go and do it, you know, and, and same kind of thing. Like you're going to heal your, your wound. You're going to, you're going to recover from something really difficult. Well, you don't need to necessarily, I don't need your feedback as I'm going through this process, but let me overcome it and show you what I've done. Yeah. And in fact, I wasn't even on social media after I had my motorcycle accident. Fortunately, we do have footage from the CHP who got footage of the accident. And then we have very few pictures of, you know, like when I was in a coma or when I was in my wheelchair, but I didn't really want, I felt like I wanted to go in a cave and hide and heal. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't even, I didn't even have a Facebook account then. And I remember one of my clients was like, why don't you start a Facebook. That way you don't have to respond to every individual text or you can just Mm -hmm. go on Facebook. And I just was not ready for that. And it took me, it took me years. It took me a couple of years to really get through all of that because I was a mess. And um, then it took even more time to really start to write about it and share it. And, and I think it's really important that if you have something, because I think that I heard something today when I was talking with a women's group and one of the ladies said, when you share your pain, you divide it. And that's true, but you have to make sure you're sharing with someone that can hold that space for you, that you trust, that you know, that um, you feel safe with. And I'm grateful to have some, some women. And I think it's su- such a blessing when you can have women or, or men, but I, I have a handful of women I call my God squad that I can share those moments. Yeah. Yeah. My God squad. And man, those are the girls 
that they showed up at my TED talk. They seriously, they flew to Berkeley and were there for me. Like that's my God squad, man. They, like I have some of my up. God squad on here right now. Actually, I don't know if Missy's still on, but you know Jamie. Um, Jamie's on. Jamie just popped on. Yep. Oh, so hi, Jamie. Amberly is said, well, I don't need to say you're saying hello to her. I knew how excited she was to be here. I know she was going to try because she's three hours ahead, you know, and she, she has a, speaking of squads, she has a squad of kids. So I'm sure it was, uh, her getting them to bed, but yeah, it says that she's watching. So I don't know if she's still on, but Jane, let us know if you're still here. She's definitely part of my God squad. So is Missy. And yeah, I know how important that is, you know, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what's going on in life to have those people and, and know you can count on them is just priceless. So I love, I love the name that you have for them. The God squad, we call each other, our soul sisters. Oh, I love that. Our soulmates. Cause that's, that's really how we feel. You know, we've been friends for 25 years now, I think. And no matter what, if I needed any one of them, I could just, that's all it would take is the text. I need you. Yeah. Um, I love that. The God squad. Mm. Yeah. The blessing. Yes. Yes, it really is. And like you said, when you're going through the hard stuff, those are the people that, you know, regardless of what anybody else is going to say about it, especially like you said, when we're getting the courage to be vulnerable, we are exposing ourselves. We are, you know, being our true selves and that's scary sometimes. And those are the people that know you no matter what, and, you know, can support you through that. Oh yeah. That was really scary because I was taught hide your crazy and be a lady. Like, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. We were all growing up. Like, you know, you just, like you said, you hide your crazy. You, you keep that down. Like you don't oh, show. Yeah. That. And you know, my dance teacher taught me a really a lesson. You know, I was three years old when I learned, started dancing. And by the time I was 13, I was already being, I was already an understudy for her learning how to become a dance teacher. And shortly after I was teaching dance classes by the time I was 15 for sure. And able to save up enough money to buy a car. I mean, I was working at the dance studio five days a week, sometimes six days a week. And one of the things that she taught us was I don't care what is going on in your life. As soon as you put the needle on the record, that's how long ago we still used records back then. As soon as you put the needle on the record, you turn around to your class with a smile on your face. I don't care if your dog died or your best friend died, put a smile on your face. And so I really like took that to heart and like put a smile on your face and it did teach me to show up, to suit up and show up for work, no matter what, like don't sit in that sob story or whatever it is. But I had to really relearn of, no, wait a minute, I need to feel these feelings because they, something's not right here. Like listen to your gut, feel those feelings. But like I told one of my, one of my clients yesterday was having a really hard day. And I was like, okay, look, you are allowed to feel these feelings, pull the covers over your head, have a day like this. Just don't stay there. Tomorrow, I need you to get up and do this, this, and this. You have, yes, feel it, but then move on. Right. Right. Honor it. It's a feeling. It's there for a reason. Sit with it. And I think you're right. That is one of the biggest things that I feel like we came from a generation where we were taught to kind of ignore them not listen to the field, numb out, just keep going, put a smile on your face, fake it till you make it. And now, like you said, we've had to take a step back and relearn like, no, those, 
good, bad, or whatever you want to label them as feelings are there for a reason, Mm -hmm. honor them. You know, and it's, I remember I was talking to a friend once and he was saying how, you know, when his dog died, he's like, no, I didn't want to feel those feelings, but sitting with it and honoring what I was feeling was actually a way for me to experience the grief and honor what I had in my relationship with that dog and what he meant to me while he was here Wow! instead of just ignoring it and moving past it. Like it's, it's real. And the app is it'll it'll come up. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to show back up until you do deal with it. And I, I like the, you know, you've got to feel it to heal it. That's what I say to my clients a lot. Like you just have to, mm-hmm. it's not fun. Nobody really wants to feel that, but we're all going to do, you know, in that same friend said, you know, sitting with that feeling of my dog right after we had put him down has also helped me show up more powerfully for my father. Who's going through Alzheimer's like, oh. no, I don't want to have that situation in my life but I can't just ignore it or avoid it. He's still my dad and I love him, but it's given me the strength to show up in that area of my life as well, knowing it's challenging, knowing it brings up emotions. And so, like you said earlier, I think our, you know, our strength grows in increments. And so as we do these hard things, as we feel our feelings, it allows us to be more powerful in how we show up because we're willing, we're available for those feelings. Mm -hmm. I feel them, but like you said, not get stuck. Yeah. Stay there, you know? Yeah not get stuck. And I mean, it is hard to, to feel those feelings. And I tried to numb out every way I could by drinking. Yep. Like at first I was like, okay, I'm going to drink this wine because it's helping with the chronic pain. And that worked until it didn't. Yep. Cause then when and, I, stop. Mm-hmm. and then they, like I said, pain will always show up. It demands to be heard. And so when I came up with the PACER method, which stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and rest, like all the things that we've talked about, I don't say it gets rid of my pain because it doesn't get rid of my pain. It helps me get through the pain, right? You know, it helps you get through it. I love that. Yeah. And I love your honesty in that too. And explaining like it's, it doesn't get rid of it. You can't look at pain as something you want to get rid of. I mean, some days it could be, and, and just with the not emotional pain, sometimes emotional pain is harder than the chronic pain. It just, you can't really, there's no comparison. Pain is pain. However, somebody experiences that, but yeah, I mean, for me, the pain is like the the physical pain and how am I going to get through that and get to the other side? So I, when I was asked to do the Ted talk, or the Mm -hmm. TEDx talk, I thought I would be on top of the world. I thought this has been on my bucket list. I would be so excited. And I got the invitation to do it. I was so freaked out. I wanted to pull the covers over my head. I was like frozen in fear because it's share the most important message of your life. And you've got 14 minutes to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So no pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure. It was really scary. And I really had moments of doubt, like, well, this is what helps me and this is what I use every day. But does anybody else really gonna be able to use that? Is it gonna be able to help them? And and so I called my daughter, my oldest daughter, who lives up in Santa Cruz, and I said, Savannah, I said, 
I got asked to do this TEDx and, and here's what I'm thinking about sharing. I really want to share this pacer method that helps me get through the pain. And she goes, mom. And I like gave her my example of what it was. She goes, well, mom, and she's not real. She's not an easy, she's a really harsh critic. She's mom. That doesn't just help you get through your pain. That's helped you with your addiction. It's helped you with your depression and it's helped you with your anxiety. And I was like, oh, well, you're, you're right. And so just having her say that helped me so much. And so it is something that I still use, whether we talked about earlier, whether I'm struggling, like I was feeling pretty good, feeling like things are starting to open back up and going to get to go to the gym soon or whatever. And then on the news, it's like, yes, in California, gyms will be open in July. And I'm like, what? Right. I'm going to be working with a goat and a skateboard till July. And those laundry (laughs) detergent jugs too. (laughs) Then I was like, I got to shift my perspective. At least I've got a goat and he's getting fatter. It'll be heavier weights. I, I, I figured out new tricks on the skateboard today. There's, you know, there's just so much that you can do. Plus it has been such an amazing time just to get out in nature. You know, we've been going for bike rides every day. My daughter and I go on adventures and it has been so much fun. And it made me realize I've been gone so much for the past two and a half years that just to have those moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a step away from my computer and I'm going to go on a bike ride with you. Like, you know, it's those moments that, that, and, and, you know, we were on a bike ride and we were passing cars and every car had a face mask put up in it. And I was like, Oh, I don't really like our new normal. Look at all the face masks and nobody's on the streets. And my 12 year old goes, mom, I kind of like it. I mean, I like not going to school. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me let her shift my perspective. Right. There's always a, a different way to look at it. And, and I said the same thing. I was like, I kind of like knowing, you know, this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the go, go, go mentality and the keep pushing yourself. It was like, even if I wanted to go somewhere, I couldn't. And it also goes back to what we talked about earlier with like your identity. I think a lot of people have had their identity stripped from them during this time because they were so focused on the external things that they had in their life that made them kind of who they were. And then all of a sudden when you're sitting at home and you don't have the CrossFit gym to go to, or, you know, your church that you're normally at a couple of times a week or whatever your situation is, how it changed and got shut down. It's like we were with ourselves and, and we had to sit with some of the pain that maybe we hadn't faced before, emotional, physical, whatever. And it's given us a different way to look at life that I don't think that we had to, or were willing to before. And it's forced it on us. And it's made us deal with some things that maybe didn't feel good, but needed to be dealt with and handled. Mm -hmm. And I like, you know, when people like your daughter can look at it and go, well, it's kind of been nice to not go to school. It's kind of been nice to have bike rides together where we wouldn't normally do. Or I've talked to people with families every night have been eating dinner together and they never did that. And it's been, that's been nice. And, you know, right now you really have the opportunity to teach your children, you know, to be in fear or to be feeling like a victim, or you can teach them tools to be resilient. This is the perfect opportunity for that. 
you know, I realized after my motorcycle accident, when just how you were describing now, people don't have those external things. They don't, they're not on the go. They can't run and do things and this and that. It took really me getting hit by an SUV and being stuck in a hospital bed, literally for going from being an athlete to having lost 20 pounds of muscle and having bed sores in a hospital bed and being stuck with these feelings. And what I want to say is, you know, sometimes those feelings get really hard and it gets harder before it gets better. But so we just have to keep doing one thing at a time to get through those hard times. And the only way we can do that is to go through it. Yep. Only way. And I like to, to say the quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Cause that's a quote that has always held so much meaning for me. Once I realized the things that I was actually avoiding thinking you can get away from it. If you just keep avoiding, distract yourself with other things or numb out, they're going to keep showing up and, those are really where the gifts are. That's where the magic happens. That when we're willing to face some of those harsh realities, when we're willing to just dive in and kind of sit with it and feel it. And, and what is this here to teach me? What am I here to, to learn from this? That is such a powerful quote. Can you say that again? I love that. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I love that. It's good, isn't it? Because it's and, and, and immediately, every time I say it, I'm like, I see all the caves in my life. Mm-hmm. I see the opportunities where it's like, oh, yep, that's something I have. You know, whether it's a hard conversation that you have to have with somebody, it's a new workout that you're afraid to try. It's somebody that you, you know, th- there's so many different ways to look at what the cave might be, but all of it is opportunity for growth. And growth doesn't happen without a little bit of pain and some challenges. And I think that that's, that's what's always available to us. And the more we try to run from it, it's just going to keep coming up until we really are willing to face it and be available to, to go through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell my clients, I've always told my clients, do something that scares you every day. Every day. I am a bit of a daredevil and it, I, my 12 year old is definitely a daredevil. I'm like, Oh man, let's see. Gosh, she's just, she's so much like me. Like, like we're, please put a helmet on and you should see her knees right now. And her legs are just covered in bruises, but you know what? She is loving life. And, and also one thing that I'm really proud of is she had skinned her, her leg, her whole leg was needed stitches. And then she got stitches. She was pretending to be a horse and jumping over a big bench and just busted her leg open. So it got infected after the stitches were in it. We took her back to the doctor and the doctor took one look at it and he goes, ah, geez, this doesn't look good. He goes, you know, I don't know. This looks like it's going to scar. I don't know about that modeling career. And he goes, and she said, well, I don't care about a scar and I don't want to be a model. I want to be a horseback rider. And I was like, I'm so, such a proud mama right now because the fact that she's not looking at like what somebody else is saying about how it's supposed to be or what it's going to look like or what she's supposed to do or, you know, internalize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Good for Well, I wonder where she learned it from. Oh, 
<laughs> we have fun, that's for sure. I can tell. I can tell. And all of her horse competitions and everything that she does. I love how, you know, you get to show up for her in that way and support her with that. That's awesome. You're allowing her to, to really live her life. Oh, thank yeah, you. I love that. So tell, okay. So I repeated my quote that you liked. Now I want to hear from you again, the pacer method, because I know what it is, but I know how valuable and amazing it is for other people to be able to use as a tool. And you made this up while you were really healing and working through all of these challenges, right? Yeah. One of my best friends had driven me to an event because it's still, I drive a lot of times now. Well, I just sold my truck. Now I have a self-driving car. And the reason I bought it is because I drive so much and it was really limiting how much I could be somewhere. So I was ended up taking Ubers and stuff. And because a lot of times I, I would have to drive with my right leg up on the dashboard and my left and drive with my left foot. And so my girlfriend had offered to drive me to this event and we left and she goes, you know, Amberly, how do you do this? How do you have so much pain, but yet you're still able to show up at events and, and you're able to work out and do the things you, you do? How, what is it that you do every day that allows you to have the mindset and to get through that? And so I went home to dinner and I was eating dinner and I had my leg propped up on the kitchen table in pain. And my husband looked at me and he's like, you know, you really need to pace yourself. And I mean, I love my husband, but sometimes I hate it when he's right. I'm like, God, he's right. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I do pace myself and this is what I do. And I got one of the dinner napkins and I started writing down everything that I did. I thought about what my girlfriend had asked me on the ride home. And then I thought about what my husband was saying. And I was like, well, what do I do every day that allows me to, have a full day, come home, cook dinner, still be able to run a business, you know, be active in my kid's school and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came up with PACER. And it stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and rest. And the perspective is really your ability to, whether you want to call it, you know, hunt for the good. If you're a guy and you're like, I'm going to hunt for the good, or you want to count your blessings or have a gratitude practice, or sometimes maybe the easiest way for you to shift your perspective is to think about how worse it could be, whatever that might be that allows you to find the good in your life. Like sometimes for me, when I was in the hospital bed in the hospital, I was just grateful that I had a window and I could see out the window and I could see the sky. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to not think, Oh yeah, I've got a roof over my head. Oh, I have a great husband, but what are those little things that you can really think? I am so grateful that I met Nicole that one day and she and I have connected and we get to sit here with each other today, whatever it may be. And then the second part of PACER is acceptance and, and being an acceptance is where we really start to find solutions to live our best lives. If some, if we don't admit that something's hurt or we don't admit that, or look at something that's broken. So whether that might be for someone who is right now really able to look at their marriage, because you might be stuck at home with your spouse and I'm not saying go pick a fight or 
decide to have a divorce, but divorce rates are up, <laughs> you know, and they were like in China. But when you can really accept something, you can go, okay, how can I make this better? What can I do to make a first step to improve my life? But if we're not in acceptance, we're in denial. Like I was, I was in denial. I did not want to believe that I had a nerve disease that was going to change the rest of my life. I didn't want anybody to know that anything was wrong with me. I was like, I just need to suck this up. And that's what I did until I ended up yet again in the hospital on life support because I was ignoring my body. And so once I was in acceptance, not just for, you know, my work situation, I was like, okay, what is my work situation? And for anybody who's maybe struggling with, you know, maybe they don't have as many clients right now, or maybe you lost your job. Well, then you go, okay, I've lost my job or I don't have many, as many clients. What can I do to bring in more income? And that might be selling clothes on Poshmark or whatever it is. That might be getting a part-time assistant job, whatever that looks like to you tutoring on the side because you can still tutor kids online, whatever that might be. But once you're in acceptance, that is when your healing journey or that is when your recovery journey really begins. Mm -hmm. And we talked about community already. And I think that might be the most important part of PACER because I felt like I had to do everything on my own. I was like, I'm strong. I got this. And I tried and it didn't work. And really, when you have supportive people in your life, when you have a community like that you've created here mm-hmm. that are passionate and inspired and they're lifting each other up and people that you can share your darkest moments with and they're like, yep, me too. I've been through that. That's where the magic happens. That's where you're like, oh my gosh, they got through this situation and look at them now. Well, I can do that too. And one of my favorite things from this week, my favorite lines that I've heard is that we as women are walking permission slips for other women. And what we allow ourselves to believe and do for ourselves shows others what's possible for them. And I think that that's so important because we are here to connect with others. And You know, my therapist will say the opposite of connection is addiction because no matter what, that's what human beings are here to do is to connect with one another. And so I meant to do it alone. And that's the thing. I mean, I felt so alone. So if anybody is watching this or listening to this, whether you're seeing it live or maybe you're seeing this on a recording, whatever it may be, just know that you are not alone. There is somebody out there. I guarantee you that is struggling with the exact same thing that you are going through right now. Yeah. And I had uh, someone say, well, you know, you're really lucky that you had a community. And I was like, you know what? It's hard work puts you where your blessings can find you because having a community starts by giving and being of service. And that is one of the things that really helped me in my recovery journey was by being of service. And so even when I was stuck in the hospital bed, people are, well, how are you of service when you are stuck in a hospital bed between surgeries? I was given nurses, exercise tips. I love that part of the book, by the way. I I mean, seriously, they're like, oh my God, girl. So what do you think? Like, how am I going to get a better booty? What do I need to do? 
I had the nurses coming in and sitting down. They would like, my room was like the hub to hang out where they could like take a break, kick their feet up and share their troubles. And I was there for them to listen to. So you can be of service. I was still giving my clients uh, writing exercise routines. I was finding other trainers to cover for me during that time. So you can be of service to someone just by making a phone call. And what you can be a service to somebody by offering whatever it is in your practice. Like for me, I was like, when this all hit, I was like, okay, what can I do? I was like, I did a post. I'm like, I'm giving my book away. Who wants a book? DM me. I'll send it to you because now you have time to read. Mm -hmm. And I've got some books that I can send out right now. Mm -hmm. And so I was sending out books. And then when you, when you're giving, it always comes back. Because right after that, my audible book came out and I had so many people say, you gave me your book. So I just bought your audible. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so when you're of service, what it does, it's really a gift to yourself because it's it blessing. your heart. It's the double blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that. then the, the next part of Pacer is endurance because good Lord knows it takes some stamina to get through the hard times. And I mean, even if you like, you know, I have a friend that texted me today and she's retired and she's like, I'm so bored. And I'm like, it takes stamina to get through being bored. It takes stamina. If you are now home homeschooling, or if you've got toddlers or if you're like me and you're working from your home office and you're not allowed to go to your regular office and you've got a kid that needs, you know, help with school. It takes stamina. So it's really where your passion and your perseverance come into play. It's really when you need to focus on what sparks joy in your life. Right. And it's really when you have to take that time to go, okay, how can I push past, you know, further than I thought I could go? And whether that's like, how can I do one more push up or how can I do one push up? Mm-hmm. And, and one might not seem like that big of a deal. It might not seem like that much, but that adds up. Those ones add up to more and more and more. That one page of your book adds up to chapters of, to a whole book. Yep. You know, that one yep. client refers another client to you and it's just developing different things to get that stamina going and to build your confidence to keep going. And then the last part of Pacer, and I'll just wrap it up here, is rest, which is the hardest thing for me. And I would just push my body until it literally would not go anymore. And, and I'm embarrassed to say, you know, this is something I still work on. I'm, I was in the ER six times last year because I push so hard and I'm sometimes get infections because of the circulation of my leg. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm finally to a place where I'm like, okay, I see the infection. I'm not going to keep ignoring and push and just, I'll get to that. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to call the doctor. And so rest is really about taking that time to listen to your body, to recover. And sometimes it might be finding different ways to rest when 
your mind's going so much at night and you can't fall asleep or you're in too much pain and you can't fall asleep. And so I'm a firm believer on do whatever it is. Like I have an app on my phone that reminds me to take deep breaths. I also have an app on my phone that has meditations on it. I have a clock on my phone that tells me how much time I've spent online, how much sleep that I've gotten. So whatever it is that you need to do to make sure, I mean, it was funny. I was out and I told my girlfriend, I was like, oh no, I have an alarm on my phone. that reminds me that your bedtime is coming. It's time to start your nightly routine. And right after I told her that my light, my phone started lighting up and I'm like, I'm not kidding you. I, st- I have a, it's happening now. <laughs> I gotta go. There's my sign. I gotta go. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And you're right. And I, you know, I like to say what's personal is universal. And I really honor and respect that you're saying, you know, I, I still struggle with that because I think we all do. Like I absolutely do. And, you know, people in this community know I've talked about this now for a couple of weeks, but about three or four weeks ago, maybe even longer, I don't know. I've lost track of time. I had this, this thing in my head when we first went into this state shelter in place, it was like, oh my God, I have all this time. I can get so much done. And I was like pushing. And then I was like exhausted. And then I realized I was pushing myself even more because I felt like I have all this time. And I asked myself one night, I was like, I'm really tired, but have I, have I done enough yet today to stop? Mm-hmm. And I heard myself say it and I went, Oh, I just asked myself if I've worked enough to rest, but why do I not ask myself, have I rested enough to work? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it ever go the other way? Yeah. And like you said, I can't show up in, in, in my best with my best energy if I haven't given myself that time to rest. And that's powerful. It, it really was a powerful realization for me because I realized I was only ever asking myself the question one way, but that's mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin. And it should be just as fair for me to say, have I rested enough yet to work? And then I made it a point to actually be a little bit lazy during quarantine and not make it wrong and not judge myself for it. And when else in my life would I have an opportunity to do nothing because there's nowhere to go? And I gave myself permission to just do that. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. Cause like you said, we're conditioned to just push and keep going. And I've had to do a lot of unlearning and a lot of journaling on this and revisiting it. And why do I, why am I so attached? Why is my worthiness so attached to this idea yeah. that the more I get done, the better a person I am. And it's hard. So I, I really respect it. It is, it is hard. And I think that it's a constant, you know, learning process. And, mm-hmm. and I was doing the same thing of just, I got to go, I got to do it. And I thought to myself, I was like, I think of things, you know, my athleticism really taught me a lot growing up. Mm -hmm. And it was like, when you're learning, when you're a miler, you learn to pace yourself Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can't be full throttle the whole way or you're going to run out of gas. And so this is like a marathon that we're going through right now. And so I thought I want to come out energized. I want to come out of this pandemic energized Mm -hmm. and I want to take the time to listen to some podcasts. If I want to like really learn and like listen to some of my favorite podcasts, I want to read books. I want to spend time with my family. I want to cook home cooked meals that are healthy. I, before I was working so much, 
I wouldn't even put, if I don't put it in my schedule, then it doesn't get done. And there were times when I wouldn't even get to a workout. And I was like, oh no, I have to put that in my schedule. So put it in your schedule to rest, put it in your schedule to work out, put it in those recovery periods. So you can come out of this pandemic feeling like a champ, feeling rejuvenized. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's great. I mean, that in and of itself, just the idea that you're scheduling in time for you, whatever that is, rest, you know, even I heard somebody say, and I'm sure as a, as a trainer, you'll love this, but scheduling an appointment for yourself for the workout is no different than scheduling an appointment with any for work or for a doctor, anything you would do. It should be the exact same way that you put that in. Oh, that's what I do. I'm so old school. I still have a a big book and I write it out because if I don't, I will fill that time with a client or with something else. Right. That's, you know what? You're so right. And it's like, I will notice at the end of my evenings, I've been trying to do what you do where at about eight thirty nine o'clock, I like to start winding down. I, I like to, I, I've been using air quotes. I like to, but then there's always, a, I will always be able to find something else I could do during that time. And I had to finally be honest with myself and go, there's always going to be something I could do, mm-hmm. but let me just honor and respect the fact that this is me time. And I need to make that my priority And having it in my calendar makes a big difference when I see it in there. Otherwise, if it's unaccounted for time, like you said, it's hard to remember, I need to take this time for me or I need to, you know, unproductive during this time. That's how it feels in my mind. It's like, but I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. Well, let's be fair. We need some downtime. We need some rest. Exactly. Scheduling that in is is just as important as anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, Amberly, I could talk to you forever. I know. I just I, love you. Thank you so thank you. much for having me. Thank you. On and thank um, you. You are I wish I could see the people that were there, but uh, we had so many awesome people here. We had Emily, Tracy's been here. I think she's been on the whole time. Tracy from Vancouver. Um, Romy popped in. Nick was here. Rajani was here. Jill was here. Audra just joined. Yeah, we had all kinds of people showing up and I know they have all benefited from you you and your story. And just, you know, like you said earlier, anytime we show up and we're willing to get vulnerable and share, others benefit from that. Others learn from that. And I just love that you've taken something that other people could have just, you know, if that happened to them in their life, they could have just given up. And you said, no. There's more to my life than this. And you've shown up in such a powerful way to use your story to help others and to show them what's possible for their life. And I love and adore you in so many ways. And, and that's one of the, the big reasons too, is just, you're such an inspiration. So thank you for your time with us here tonight. Mm-hmm. And you, um, well, two more things. You just talked about healthy food and it made me think we need to go back to that place. Once things open up again, that healthy I food know. right there where you live, I forget what it was called, but it was so good. So I am juicy ladies. I think we were at juicy ladies. Yes, yes, yes. We were at juicy ladies and it was so good. So once things open up July or August, whenever it is, um, yeah, we definitely need to meet there again. And then the other thing is, I just want to remind everybody, this is Amberly's book. You guys, it is, it's, it's not a long read. It, you'll read it in no time at all because you'll be so hooked. I have all these little, I don't know if you can see, but I have all these little, what do they call that dog ear? When oh you know, yeah. Like, and I'll show you, wait, I'll show you. All my favorite places because there's so much inspiration in this book. Here's the I actually 
since the book was written two years ago, I've already got a, a second edition. I know it's crazy. So pretty. It's got you on the cover. I love it. Girl, I'll have to tell you the whole story. Behind well, I remember part of it from Juicy Ladies. You were starting to fill me in, and that was quite yes. a... So yeah. I've got the yeah. new edition and then yeah. the Audible. I'm just like, that was like such a marathon that I was so glad. Oh, my God. It was harder than I thought. And mm-hmm. I interviewed Trent Shelton on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And when I interviewed Trent, he was like, oh, my God, I've got PTSD from from recording my audible book. And I was like, what, why? Cause I was going, you were about to start. I was about to start. And I was like, really? It was that hard. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It was, and it's I, a big I, commitment, right? A lot of time. It's a big, it's a big yeah. commitment because you're yeah. in like a small room and you're reading and you're like, yeah, you mess up and you got to start again. Then you get in your head. Oh, I hope I don't mess up. I keep then I'm not breathing. Am I breathing? Am I, you know, so <laughs> it was a lot, but it was like, whew, when you do something that is hard and you finish it, it's like, it makes you feel good. So yes. I feel, yes. but thank oh, you for sh- even sharing awesome. my book. I yeah. Oh, you guys seriously get it on audible or buy it. Don't buy, don't buy this one, buy the beautiful oh, one. I, you know what? That one's not, I don't think it's even available anymore. Well, there you go. See, I'm an OG. I've, I've known you for so long. I have the original one. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to update though. Um, But yeah, definitely you guys read her book. It's amazing. She's in our community. So if anybody has questions, I'm going to check real quick and see if anybody asks any. And Carly says, thank you. Yeah. uh, Amberly's in our group. So. And I'll check in the group and. And yeah. I'll- yeah. And I just, I honestly, I, we have such a beautiful community full of just amazing people. I love this Facebook group. I am so happy that I had the idea to start it and it's just grown into something that I love and adore and all the people in here are so supportive and amazing. So I'm glad you're in here with us. Oh, Definitely, I'm honored, you guys. honored to be here. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. And thank you again for your time. And if anybody, I also have a lot of international people that watch on the replay because it's like three in the morning, their time right now. So they'll watch, you know, and, and do hashtag replay. So if you guys have questions, tag Amberly in it for sure. She's in our community. We're so happy to have you here. And tonight was so special. Thank you. Thank you for your time and just sharing your experience and, and journey with us. You're an Thank inspiration you. You, girl. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much, everybody. Let us know your favorite takeaways and uh, we will see you all soon. Thank you again, Amberly. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wow. Right? What an inspiration. Amberly is just one of those people that <sighs> reminds us what we are capable of, you know, with the human spirit, with the human body. There's so much that we fail to remember sometimes that we are capable of going through difficult challenges in our life and coming out with resiliency on the other side. And Amberly is one of the most beautiful examples of that. So I'm glad you got to hear her story. If you didn't know it already, if you already are a fan of hers, because there are tens of thousands of you out there. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It would mean so much to me and it would allow stories like Amberly's to get out there for others to hear as well. So share it with somebody who needs to hear it. That would mean so, so much to that person you're sharing it with, to me, to Amberly, and thank you so much for being a part of it.
And then also, I want to let you know, for those of you who are health and wellness coaches, I have a free event that you need to be a part of. It's called the Going for No Free Sales Challenge. We start on January 18th. I'd love for you to join us. The link to join is in the show notes. You are about to jump into something during this five-day challenge with us that is like nothing you've ever experienced before. I'm going to teach you how to start conversations that lead to clients. And by the end of the five-day challenge, a lot of the people that go through this challenge with us end up with clients. And if nothing else, they end up with the tools that they need to learn how to get clients. It is so much fun. We do it together in community. There's prizes, there's dancing, and I need you to be a part of it so that we can help heal the world together. So go to the show notes, click on the link, join us, and we start January 18th in my Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, and I am so excited to see you there. All right, that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you like this, subscribe because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me and it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.